Welcome to Element, the student ministry of Third City Christian Church. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students. I've always wondered, I've always wondered what kind of humble role that Jesus would take if he would walk into our church, if he would be the one cleaning up after the sloppy middle schoolers up on the mezzanine that leave a putrid mess, if he would be doing that, or if he would be leading a small group, or if you, you know, you never know. Uh, I'm just grateful for anyone that would choose to serve our Lord and King. And we catch ourselves in this series, you guys, where we're talking about how we execute Love Unlimited at Third City Christian Church. And it's very simple. We worship the one true God. We serve him with our lives. And tonight we're talking about growing in him, continuing to grow. And John chapter 1, verse 1, I want to read this to you. If I would have thought ahead, I even got asked if I wanted scripture for the screen. And I said, no, we're going to be good for tonight. So I need you guys to focus. And as Parker would say, if you're struggling, wiggle your toes. And that will keep your mind focused as I read this. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. This is speaking of Jesus. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. You guys, Jesus Christ has been one of the most misunderstood, misrepresented people to ever walk the face of this planet. He came for the sole purpose to bring life, to bring love, to bring salvation, and we greeted him with a cross and with crucifixion. You want to talk about being misunderstood. I could just picture him going, you guys don't understand. I am here to love you. After they say that, driving a nail, driving a nail, driving a nail. Being misunderstood. Jesus came to earth. He left paradise in heaven because he saw the sinfulness of humanity, our sinfulness. And he said, I've got to do something about this because I care about these people. So he came from heaven to earth in human form, took on flesh, lived like was a baby that like pooped his pants and like was a normal kid, toddler that fell over and who knows, maybe he ate his boogers. I don't think eating your boogers is a sin because Jesus was without I'm not saying, that makes it sound like I'm a booger eater. I am not a booger eater. But I know there's a few booger eaters out here right now. You guys know which friends you've caught eating a booger before. You know how that goes. Some of the adults are up here looking at each other going, I've seen you eat a booger. No, but seriously, so Jesus lived a life without sin, but he was completely human, you guys. Scripture says that he understands what temptation looks like and feels like. He understands every struggle that you have, every temptation that you have to want to fit in, to desire relationship. He understands every aspect of sin except that he never committed a sin. He lived a sinless life. He came in human flesh, and here's what happened. God ordained him to carry out his mission and purpose here on earth, and he called people to follow him. There were 12. They were, they, were, they were called his disciples. And I've told you guys before that they've ranged, I, I believe that they ranged in age from maybe 
late middle school, early high school, all the way up to early adulthood maybe. Who knows where they were at in that age range. Uh, It could be very likely that these were the types of people that he looked at and said, I want to commission you to take my church to the ends of the earth. And so he called them, and here's what they witnessed. They witnessed Jesus performing all these miracles. They witnessed Jesus healing, healing people that had never been able to walk their entire life. They saw it with their own two eyes. They saw Jesus healing sick people. They saw Jesus casting out demons. They were witness to crowds. They saw Jesus walking on water. They saw Jesus feed crowds of thousands with one Cain's box dinner, give or take. Instead of a few loaves and a few fish, he fed 5,000 and there were baskets upon baskets left over. They were witness to this. They saw it with their own two eyes. Jesus had been doing all of this ministry, you guys, and I will tell you that there is something exhausting about ministering to people. It can drain you for multiple reasons. Sometimes you pour yourself out, you pour yourself out. Your coaches that are here on Wednesday nights are like, I hope this is the week that they get it. I hope this is the week we have a fantastic discussion. I've watched that student walk out of this building after element every time and skipping out on small group. I hope this is the week they stay. They hope and they hope and they hope. They go, I'm tired of their boyfriend treating them that way. I'm hoping this is the week they get the courage to break up and stand for who God says they are instead of standing for what he says they are. I hope this is the week. It is physically and emotionally and spiritually draining, students. But I'll tell you this, it is the joy of their life to be able to do that, or else they would not be here. Jesus was in that boat. Jesus had been ministering to people, people after people, bringing them, hey, my, my child is, is sick. My, my, my brother is dead. I, I need this. I need this. Jesus, there's thousands of people here. Everybody's come from all the way around because they've heard you. Miracles upon miracles upon miracles. And Jesus, would you heal them? And you can imagine how exhausted he was. He looks over at, at the people that had said, we want to be about what you're about, Jesus. And this is what he said, you guys, in John chapter 6. He gave them a hard, hard teaching. And this is going to sound really strange. I want to tell you this up front, okay? And Jesus intended this to be a difficult, hard teaching. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood... You have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise up, I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever, he says it again, he says, whoever drinks, um, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. He was looking at him and said, hey, it's time for a line in the sand. 
which of you are going to be about everything that I am about? And Jesus gave them a hard teaching. And I don't know if you guys know what happened. This is, it said this. It said, on hearing this, they said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept this? And many people walked away from Jesus. And they said this. They said, I can't do it. This is too hard. I'm out. Jesus turned, and this is what he said. He, it says, aware that his disciples were grumbling, Jesus said to them, hey, does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. Flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit, and they are life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. And it said, after that, many of those people turned away. And it says, you don't want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the original 12. He goes, what about you guys? You see everybody walking away? What about you? And this was the response. Peter looked at him and said, Lord, where would we go? You have words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Students, I want to tell you this, is that Jesus is not simply looking for someone or some group of people to jump on the bandwagon of what Jesus is about. He is not looking for people to get caught into the emotion. I mean, can you imagine if you were around in that time and you heard that Jesus was healing the lame and Jesus was feeding the hungry and you had a kid whose legs had been shriveled from disease, you would do anything you could to be a part of that movement simply to get your needs satisfied. You would pursue him. You would go, please, do you have something for me? I want to be a part of this movement. And Jesus is going, I'm not looking for converts or people to jump on the bandwagon. I'm looking for disciples. Are you willing to follow me? Because if you are, come on. And then he gave them a hard teaching. And they said, I can't do that. I can't stick around for that. But you hear the wisdom in the 12 disciples, you guys, when they said, they looked and they said, we've watched what you do. We're starting to believe and understand who you're saying that you are. Jesus, where else would we go? Your words give life. Students, God is calling you to worship, to serve, and to grow. It would be a sad state of your life if when you reached the age of five, you aged no more. Can you imagine that? Some of you guys would still be wetting the bed. I would have been. Past the age of five, could you imagine? You never grew to be any taller than this. You never learned how to drive a car. You never learned how to read. You never learned how to do anything. Could you imagine? God intends for you to grow physically, to some manner, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually, physically. He intends for you to grow. He intends you to grow in relationship to him as well. He is not simply looking for people to, to worship, to serve, to have an experience to respond with baptism and then go, I'm done. 
He is calling you to follow. And he's going like this. And now here's the problem, students. It's very easy in this room. It's very easy in this room to declare that I follow Jesus. It's very easy in your small group to say that I follow Jesus. It is very easy with the right group of friends to say, yes, Jesus is my Lord. Yes, I surrender to Jesus. It's very difficult in your locker rooms to declare that with your actions. It's very difficult at some of your friends' house when they're passing a vape around. It's very, very difficult for you to in your heart go, I'm, it's different for me because I follow Christ. I can be your friend, but I can't be about these things. And so when that teaching gets hard, when you're alone with your boyfriend or girlfriend, a lot of people do this. I'm out. And they walk away. And they go, this teaching is too hard. If Jesus is going to require this of me, then I'm out. Now, students, I want you to understand this. God isn't looking for perfection. I think you've understood that because if he was looking for perfection, I would have no place to stand up on this stage. If he was looking for perfection, Parker would have no place to stand on this stage. And we know Jacob wouldn't have a place to stand on this stage. Dude can't spell. Gotcha, Jacob. But students, God is calling you to grow. And he knew what he was going to require of his 12 disciples, and he made a hard teaching, and he was saying, I am desiring you to, to be willing to take hard steps when I ask, and when I prompt, and when I prod you, and when I challenge you. Pastor Scott had a great illustration on Sunday, you guys, when it comes to growth. Uh, growth is something that you cannot force. Growth is something that does require your action. He illustrated it this way, using the illustration of a sailboat. Um, does anybody, we'll see, well, there's Sunday morning people. Uh, let's see. Hey, Jackson, what is it that drives the force on a sailboat? No. Nah. Jackson, what is it? Where are you at? It's air moving from areas of high pressure to areas of low pressure. That's, that's what drives the force of a boat. All, all these middle school kids are going, that's what wind is. Here's the deal. Listen, listen, students. Listen, students. You cannot put your sailboat in the water and simply sit there and go, I am sailing. It doesn't work that way. Sailing is a very active activity that involves you moving ropes, switching beams, raising a sail, and allowing the Spirit of God to drive your life to growth. Students, listen, what are some steps that you are needing to take in this very moment, at this very point of your life of growth? Some of you, it's as simple as when we leave this room and you walk into your small groups with your coaches. 
that you're going to engage for the first time instead of, instead of being a miserable distraction. You're going to engage with what's going on. Because there's life-giving growth and an opportunity of that happening within those groups. We're going to witness, you guys, we're going to witness tonight two people surrendering their life to Christ in baptism. That is a step in growth. That is them saying, I am ready to begin this. Maybe you need to serve. Man, the team of middle school and high school students that come in here, set up these chairs, weekly basis. Maybe you need to find yourself being a part of that instead of going, oh, they asked me to set chairs up again. This is so stupid. Maybe going, I'm not serving the old guy that yells at me from stage. I'm serving the word that became flesh that dwelt among us. The one that came to give life. Maybe we need to change our outlook on who we're serving, why we're serving, looking at it as an opportunity to grow, as a follower of Jesus, as a disciple, not simply a convert. Let's pray and let's continue worshiping together. God, God, we get to enjoy your mercy continually. Thank you, Jesus, because we don't deserve it. But you offer it completely, and you offer it freely. Lord God, give us a heart to grow. Give us a heart to act in obedience and to move towards you, whether it's saying, I'm going to start opening my Bible on a daily basis. I'm going to share my faith story with that person that I've been sitting next to all semester. I'm going to do that. Whether it's I'm going to apologize for what I need to apologize, no matter what that is, to take a step in growth. Father, help us to do that for your sake and no one else's. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Scripture talks about how we need to get past the point of needing simply spiritual milk like a baby to grow. At some point, students, we have to find ourselves sitting down to a full meal spiritually, which means allowing God to speak to us and challenge us with where we are at and where he wants us to be, not where you want to go. And that's what sitting down to a meal with your Father God is like. And God desires this growth for all of us because he doesn't want you to remain infantile in the way that you're living. Yes, we're glad that you're here. We're glad that you take up a seat on Wednesday night at Elma. We're glad that you sit in your small group, but come on. A spiritual infant can show up and do that. Will you take steps to grow towards Christ? Some of you need to take a step like you just witnessed. Some of you need to take a step in loving the people around you. Some of you need to take a step in understanding and practicing prayer in your own life. Some of you need to take a step in reading scripture. Some of you need to take a step to invite your friends and peers that are all around you to come to these fantastic summer camps that we're planning for you guys that we love so much and 
just that Jesus might get a chance to speak to them and speak to you. Will you give God the opportunity to grow you? Thanks for joining Element. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students.